0: Welcome to the Ghost Train. Tickets, please. Take your seat and enjoy the ride all aboard. (laughs) Welcome on board the Ghost Train. This is the podcast that brings you right into the creepy and freaky world of the paranormal. Now before we get started with today's podcast, don't forget to stay up to date with all the scary and fun posts of the GT on Instagram, which is at ghost train podcast, Twitter at ghost train PC, or on Facebook, you can search ghost train podcast. This is where I post videos and pics that the guests and I talk about like today's guests, Rick and Darren from the YouTube show, unexplained cases. They shared some of their paranormal evidence that they've been able to capture on camera. Now that's posted on my Instagram account. Check that out really spooky stuff. Now these dudes have some truly awesome stories and great insight on everything that is unexplained from the paranormal all the way to UFOs. Here we go. Now it's about to get weird and you've been warned. Let's get this ghost trainer rolling. Next up, I want to believe. Cue the X-Files music. Wait, what's that? We don't have the budget for that? Oh, okay, never mind. All
1: aboard! <laughs> Darren and Rick from the YouTube series Unexplained Cases are now on board the Ghost Train podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Now, if you haven't watched this series, you've got to check out this Southeast Regional Emmy Award winning show. So guys, tell us all the Ghost Train passengers exactly what Unexplained Cases is all about.
2: Well, it's actually, it was just a concept that we came up with, uh, gosh, it's almost, well, yeah, really 20 years ago. Uh, Rick and I really, we really ha- had this bond over like basically the paranormal stuff, uh, ghosts, UFOs. I grew up in the Northwest, um, mm-hmm. up in Seattle. So like Bigfoot was a big thing ever t- since I was a little kid. And so we were like, you know, we do, we worked at a traditional news station, uh, here in the States and we're like, God, you know, we get kind of tired of doing the same, you know, crime and, you know, business, all these different kind of education stories. What if we did something a little bit unique, kind of out of the box? You know, to tell stories in, in the South, because the Bible's got a rich history with Civil War history, that, hey, why don't we try something different that's kind of, you know, about hauntings? And I guess that's kind of where we just kind of bonded over that, our interest of, you know, the paranormal.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, we 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 started out with uh, uh four stories uh, initially. Um, I think they were called Ghost Hunt. And you know, when you have a newscast, typically they're about ninety seconds, two minutes long. And after doing about four of those, uh, and one of them was uh, a pretty sweet spot to be able to visit, which would be um, Myrtle's Plantation in in Saint Francisville. We're that's where we're like, hey, what if? And we took this to management and it was kind of like one of those, hey, maybe they'll take it, you know, throw the spaghetti on the wall, so to speak. And mm-hmm. it's like, what if what if we did this every month uh, and then spent a whole month uh, working on stories, researching, because I, I love to research. I'm a writer, storyteller, just get into the nuts and bolts of things, weave it all together and then make something that's probably about could be five minutes long, which is like a whole break in a local newscast, kind of unheard of. They went for it, and then we uh, kept doing that, um, you know, basically every month. And then that actually led up to um, what you mentioned about getting an Emmy. We wrapped all of our uh, uh, ghost stories into something called Unexplained Haunts. Uh, and that was our first 30-minute uh, special that aired on uh, Halloween night uh, in uh, 2001. Very yeah. cool, guys.
2: Yeah, we got to shoot that at uh, Sloss Furnace in Birmingham, Alabama. Which was very cool. Uh, we got to do an investigation while we were there too, but it was the backdrop for kind of the intros and, you know, we did the whole thing and then packaged it together. And that would be one of the places I would say that, um, you know, I know we were chatting before about, you know, scary places. What's the spookiest thing uh, you've know, experienced? I think for me and Rick, you probably remember when we were down, we had the psychic with. What was the, what was the show? And we dialed back. I think it was like scariest places on earth or something. It was on Fox mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. And so they had gone to Sloss Furnace maybe a few months before, and I remember they talked to this guy at work there who had all these experiences, and we were fortunate enough to track the guy down, and then we got our own psychic to kind of walk around with him and us. And I remember the the one area that everybody talks about being so haunted is kind of the the tunnel area where I believe the coal cars or something on the train tracks went over. And that's one of the only times that I can remember is we were sitting down there and you could act well, it felt weird, obviously, because you're underground, but you could actually hear footsteps of somebody walking by you and then going up the stairs. And Mm -hmm. I remember the psychic right before we could hear, it was like, oh, somebody's here or somebody's with us or something. And I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden you could hear somebody going up the stairs. And I was like, whoa, because a lot of times, (laughs) I mean, when we first got into this, I was like, I I loved it. I thought it was cool. I wanted to believe like Fox Mulder on the X-Files. But yeah. being a traditional journalist, you know, I'm skeptical. I, I'm sadly, I'm one of these guys half, uh, half, uh, full or more, you know, half empty instead of half full is what, you know, I think about things. And so I remember in the beginning, I'm like, oh, these are kind of cool, but I'm not sure if it's real or not. Then it was the Myrtles. Uh, the, that one kind of changed everything for me. That whole night there was just. It was crazy. I can see why they say it's one of the most haunted places, you know, maybe in the world or certainly here in the United States, that I was like, okay, this stuff is real. It exists. And that's really what I just got really excited about doing it. And it was cool because I was still, I was a morning news anchor. So I had these crazy hours that I was doing that job. I was also a crime reporter. So I was trying to do all this uh, time management. And then Rick and I, because he was doing a lot of stuff for the web. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we're trying to figure out a way to coordinate this. It would have been cool to do more stories, but with our time, I mean, really, we were pulling our hair out just to get one done a month. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we did it. I mean, I just wish we could go back, you know, 20, 20 years and twenty pounds lighter. You know what I mean? <laughs> on a full time basis, but hey, life happens. And uh, but you know, you touched on it. Unexplained cases. Here we are. They have somebody invented this thing called YouTube, and now we're kind of using the same formula. That, you know, there's a lot of shows that I know are on YouTube, but the one thing about Rick and I, we have a broadcasting background that we're still trying to provide that kind of content that you would see if you tuned in to watch a cable uh, news show or, you know, your traditional newscast because we know how to use all the elements of storytelling. And so we're hoping, you know, that's what we want, you know, our subscribers to really, you know, key into like, well, this is like really sitting down to watch something, you know. On the travel channel, but it's not hyped up. It's, you know, we're talking about the history and and letting the people that we talk to, you know, we have interviews with people that, you know, have experienced things or know the history of of the area. And of course I'm biased, but you know, it's just, it's more of kind of a a story that you would want to be told to you from the perspective of the individual that's been involved. Then somebody knows the history of the place, and and Rick, I'm sure you could talk about. I mean, I think that's one thing that we're trying to separate ourselves from all the other folks that are out there on YouTube.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, for, for us, the, the focus is the story. And so any way that we can build the layers of that, whether it's, you know, obviously it's who it's, the story's happened to. You've got the location. Uh, we may be working with, uh, a, a paranormal investigative group. All of that layers into the story. And so it's less about Darren and I and our experience and what's going on, although that can be a part of the, the piece it's more about okay what happened what's the history you know uh the it kind of gets all summed up with the motto that uh, i initially attached to unexplained cases which is preserving history while documenting the strange paranormal and unexplained love
1: it love it yeah that's the whole thing it's a very professionally looking and I guess almost, I guess it's produced that way, right? It, the way that you guys are doing it. And it's, it's great. It, like you said, it's like you're watching something on the travel channel or, or for me here in, in Toronto, we don't have the travel network. So we have, uh, detour. So that's so that's where I get all my ghost adventure stuff and dead files and all that kind of, that kind of, uh, spooky stuff. So, um, nice. yeah, no, that's really, really cool. And you kind of have, Touched on that. It's just a, a strict storytelling thing, but you do have some guests come on the show, and maybe like a ghost investigation team or a psychic. Who, in your mind, is the has been the most fun to have on the show?
2: Hmm. Well, I know who I know who I'm going to say, but uh, that that hasn't aired yet. I was going to say <laughs> okay. Deirdre from Fairly uh, Paranormal, <laughs> Paranormal Research. I'm telling you, this woman, I mean, I'd like to be her agent because she could so have her own show. She's short. Um, she's a tattoo. She's got tats everywhere. She's sensitive and oh. stressed. yeah, we did a story with her at the USS Constellation in Baltimore Harbor and also the USS Torst, the, uh, the submarine there. But it's so funny when we were with her and the other folks in, in her group, her team, we just kind of like went around with her and just kind of like, We didn't have a microphone on her because we had our cameras and everything like that, but just kind of like experience what she was experiencing. She was really dialed into stuff, but she was her, she was so quick. Uh, she had wit and, uh, you know, like I said, if I was her agent, I'd try to get her a show. I mean, first of all, (laughs) the tats, she's short and you know, he had the total
1: package, eh? Just the personality.
3: Yeah, yes. you just, you didn't have to encourage or, or, or push her in any way. She could just, uh, you know, do, do her own thing. And yes. I guess I, I probably would have to float back <clears throat> to, uh, the, the beginning and, uh, who was kind of like our initial, uh, ghost hunter, if, if you will, um because Janice Rayleigh of uh, the Ghost Preservation League was uh, a a fascinating character because here you had this this older lady who um, she enjoyed, uh, obviously, documenting and going to these haunted places. But really, the reason that I mentioned Janice is because we got her to do something that she swore she would never do. and. That was, you know, and any time when you have someone who claims to be ghost hunter, paranormal investigator, whatever the label you want to go with, says, I will never go back to that place. That's a rare thing to have to begin with. But for us to have convinced her to go back to this location, Darren kicks himself because he heard her talk about this and he I wasn't know, around.
2: Oh, no, but she wouldn't. When I knew her, she wouldn't go. That was the problem.
3: oh. Uh. So, so Jeff and I worked on her, uh, basically, and finally she's like, okay, fine. A- and the brief story behind this was, this is our, uh, one of our episodes on unexplainedcases.com. We've got all those stories that are, that are there from, from back in the day, but, This one was called the Gates of Hell, and we specifically named it that because her initial description. This was on the Yazoo River in in Mississippi. Was it was part of a farmland? Was thinking maybe there was some type of um, Indian burial ground thing or something going on, and the the river, that portion that she was at, um, it started bubbling. Had a green sick glow, smell of rotten flesh, and like this sensation of like, I really need to get the heck out of here kind of thing. And, uh, it, it was just like the full, uh, there was like wind. And and hearing some moaning too as well, so it was almost it sounded clicheous because Darren talks about he's a skeptic. I'm also always a skeptic too, and I'm hearing this and I'm like, okay, Janice, really? All right, whatever. Uh, but, she, but, but she was dead on. Like I'm not going back there. And so we got to go back to that spot. Didn't have all those locations, but got a shadow figure. That's basically was rather short up in, this was in a cornfield too. So, I mean, you know, you kind of have the cliches of spookiness here basically. Middle of nowhere, farmland. Um, clearly was in a picture, a, a shadow figure that was uh, standing above, uh, some trees and, and, uh, we, we got an image of that. Um, our, our photographer at the time, uh, who was shooting it did a lot of b roll, did all the interviews and was like, you know what? I'm done. And I actually just went back to the van and I'm like, uh, Dave. <laughs> you know that was kind of unexpected. Um, <laughs> driving away from the location, Jeff uh, was uh, was not talking very much. And then we get back to the station, and I'm like, dude, you know, you're kind of quiet there for a little bit. I kind of wondered what happened to you. He's like, that's because I was trying to figure out what had its knee in my back, pulling the seatbelt tighter and tighter to the point that I was like, all right, is this for real? Or is this like, you know, a seatbelt doing a weird thing? And it was like, no, something was doing that. I'm like, oh, great, we brought something back to the station. Okay, yay. Yeah. So, oh, my God. That's messed up. All, yeah, it, it, it had all the after effects. Didn't have Janice's experiences, but it just had all these weird other little experiences there.
1: That's nuts. So Darren, let's 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 switch our focus onto what got you involved in the paranormal in the beginning. Because you said that you're a you're a skeptic and that you're kind of on the fence. You want to believe, but you you want proof. And you're kind of that's kind of like the way that I am. I want I want to have the proof because anytime anything's ever happened to me, I've been asleep or maybe I was asleep. I don't know. So that's kind of my whole problem is. I want to see it, and I want to be awake and know that I'm awake and so that I can be 100% that this is real. But what's your deal? What the hell's going on?
2: What the hell? Yeah, well, like I said, you know, it's so funny because a lot of these shows that I watch on YouTube now are kind of these people going into these abandoned places and, you know, kind of looking for ghosts and stuff like that. Yet again, like 30 years ago, which I hate to say that, or 32 years ago, me and my buddies were doing the same thing. Of course, there was no cameras or, you know, any kind of smartphones back then, but we'd always try to go into these, like, abandoned places that we thought were haunted and kind of spooky. The only thing back then is we had to run from the cops a lot of the times because we were trespassing. <laughs> so, yeah, breaking the law but also scaring each other at the same time. So kind of yeah. had a fascination with that for a long time. Uh, I mentioned in the 70s Bigfoot was huge out in the Pacific Northwest, and I remember there was a lot of shows on it. I always wanted like, I'd like to go out in the woods, like, man, I'd like to see one of those things or watch the in Search of with Leonard Nimoy when he would do stuff about UFOs and also awesome. like Bigfoot and stuff like that. So got me interested from a very young age. Um, like hanging out with my buddies, we'd go to cemeteries and stuff like that. Didn't know anything about EVPs or any of that stuff, but, um, you know, I, I, I was, I enjoyed it, but I was kind of like, yeah, I don't really know if it's real. And I told Rick this story that, you know, my grandpa died like in 1990 and he helped build uh the house I lived in with my dad. And it was just maybe like a month or two after he had died. I, I was staying in the house by myself. My parents were gone. I can't remember where they were. That I started hearing this noise in the garage, kind of like a banging sound. And the I, I, first couple of times I kind of dismissed it. I'm like, kind of went down and looked around. There's nobody there. And like the next night it happened again. I'm like, well, this is kind of odd. And the, like third night it happened, I kind of realized, I'm like, I wonder if that's my grandpa basically who built the house, my dad who was still working on the house, even though it's all done because who knows what's going on in the spirit side on the, on the other side that I just kind of went in there and said, you know, grandpa, I love you. I miss you, but what you're doing right now, it's, it's scaring me. And I, could you please stop? And the, the banging, uh, never happened again. Um, Um, so yeah, I mean, that was one of the kind of the turning points. Like, you know, I I think there's something to it yet. then many years went by. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it, it never happened. And then of course Rick and I started doing our stuff, but it was, it was the, at the Myrtles where I think everything just kind of got turned upside down. It's like, whoa, there's some like really things in this world that are unexplainable. And, uh, we found ourselves, you know, right in the middle of it, experiencing, you know, cold spots like I've never felt before, uh, phantom footsteps, you know, that was the only place I've ever seen an apparition. It wasn't, it wasn't of a person was of a cat, the cat that they called Murph that had died there a long time ago. Oh, really? yeah. I explained the story to some of my coworkers uh here in Phoenix. saying like, yeah, they're like, well, have you ever seen a ghost? I'm like, well, I have, but it was a cat. And then they're like, what? And I go, yeah, it had these like these black eye sockets, and it just didn't, it had no eyes. It was this weird kind of black shape. And then we ran after it into the parking lot, and it just kind of like disappeared. And then Rick took like this picture, and there was like a thousand orbs everywhere, and then he took another picture, and everything was gone.
3: So... Wow.
2: That was just one of the stories that night, but I I love the fact that they gave us three rooms at this place, pretty much on the our own side of the plantation. They're like, yeah, you can have these are the three most haunted rooms. You you guys do what you need to do, you know. Uh, you know today you can't do that, but back then they let you do whatever you want. And I remember by the end of the cat, so the noises, the the weird breeze, the cold spots. Three grown men were too scared to sleep in each each room, and we all slept in the <laughs> same room that night. And it was scary that night because stuff was still going on. I mean, because yeah. that's when that movie—oh uh, God, what, what was the guy? The kids, the uh, the kid that speaks to dead people just came out.
1: Sixth Sense.
2: Yes, yeah. Sense. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird because when we were in that room, it started to get cold. And like Mm -hmm. in the original story of the 30-minute special, you can see Rick transcribed. him like, it's getting cold in this room. And it was dropping. And then all of a sudden, like (laughs) banging started on the walls, which was like, like, Mm -hmm. what the hell is going on in here? And so, and the funny thing is we're so tired because we had shot a story at another location the day before. Well, despite all the spookiness, we fell asleep. But I had a camera that I let roll through most of the night, it was tape back then, it, you know, it wasn't digital. And and you could hear these weird sounds in the room of like something was coming up to the to the microphone on the camera, and one of it almost sounded like it was somebody playing a musical instrument, which was this weird kind of blowing breathing sound, which is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is you could hear kind of in the background that there was, like, what I would say is they say the kids that, that died there years ago, they were, like, running up and down the stairs all night long. You could just hear that pitter-patter of kids throwing the whole night. But we didn't know that because we were so tired. It wasn't until we looked at the tape the next day. But, uh, Rick, I'm sure you could talk about your experiences. But to me, that's still – that is the holy grail of paranormal investigating for me.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so before before uh, you do that, Rick, how would you guys classify yourselves? Would you say that you are ghost investigators
3: Hmm. I would say more uh paranormal documentarians, maybe. How about that? Yeah. So, okay. so you know, the the fact is, I I think th- probably uh, we were very quick to say that that we were uh, ghost hunters or paranormal investigators back then. Mm. I, I I don't necessarily. I'm not averse to saying that, but at the same time. It's not something that like Darren and I go out every single weekend and do. So I actually almost think it's in a way it's offensive because they're not part of a group we're not doing this every single weekend you know matter of fact once we started doing this again here's all this new technology that that's basically come out uh darren of course has been watching uh all, all the shows soaking them in over the years me i'd totally step back i'm stepping in for in, into a, the arena again and you have the obvious, uh you have the k2 you know based on the same principles but Those weren't around when we were originally doing this, Um, Mm -hmm. so I kind of feel more about the that we're 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 documenters. So we're we're observers. We take part. We're aware of the science and, and and everything that's involved with it. So we're we're able to passively or even you know conduct our own experiments. But you know the investigators might be a little bit much, basically, to the guys who do this all the time.
1: Right. And do you guys use any of those types of equipment that you were talking about? Indeed. Indeed? Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. And have you found that they're actually useful?
3: Yes. Uh, you know, basically when it comes to, uh, I mean, EVP, of course, that's, that's your classic, which that doesn't matter if you have a recorder or you're just, you know, your phone, a, a camera, that any recording device could, could get you an EVP. Um, your EMF, You know, I have a a tri-field meter, basically, that I break out, which you don't see those uh, too often, because the K2 has replaced that. Same technology, just to be able to visually register, hey, there's a change in the electromagnetic field, and uh, again, it's very noteworthy if you take the time to say, okay, we've researched this, we've you know, debunk this, there's no fields here, there's no power here, there's no water, there's nothing that should cause this, and then all of a sudden, it spikes, you know, or it's spiking on command when you say, hey, you know, move this to red if the answer is yes, and it does it, there's an intelligent response, you know, right. that's that's where these tools come in handy that you're like, okay, there's definitely something going on here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then Rick, I'll throw
1: it to you. What's what kinda got you into this whole paranormal field?
3: So, for me, I guess it goes back to elementary school days. Um, I enjoyed when the, uh, book fair, uh, kind of came around. And so you got all these books. And so I'd always look for the, the, the paperback. Cause there was always at least one, usually a couple, that just had a collection of ghost stories in it. And, and you know, there, there wasn't anything necessarily more special than that, uh, that they were just these stories. And so I always had this, interest and his curiosity and his fascination, being a storyteller at heart, uh, it it naturally transitioned from reading about those and all that's cool and that's spooky to then also realizing that really a ghost story. And and I I'm from the South, so uh, grew up in Mississippi, born and raised there. And for me, a ghost story in the South is actually part of heritage it's, it's part of, uh, family lore. It's part of history. And, and the reality, it's like, there's always a shred of truth to it, basically. It's like, there's definitely a place, there's definitely an event, there's a person, and maybe, uh, more than one, all three. Uh, and sure, you may, uh, you know, a uh, long yarn, uh, tall fish story, whatever, basically, kind of may have gotten weaved into it. But, there's always a shred of truth and it's always designed to make something be remembered uh, as also a cool way to tell history so that played into my interest and uh, in, and in love for history of storytelling uh and then basically it was just like okay hey is is this stuff real uh, i never truly had what I would consider uh, any type of experience, you know, un- unlike Darren, who had an experience that I guess in a way kind of catapulted him, I never saw anything, heard anything. It, probably my first, like, okay, this is a little crazy moment, would have been uh, what uh, we affectionately refer to as Creek Boy. Uh, it is the wickedest picture um, that we have ever taken that in a way in some ways i've ever seen um Mm. it was in raymond mississippi short story would be there was a uh it's 14 mile creek part of a civil war battle of raymond lots of death uh lots of blood very uh gory place and i was out there in the middle of night and i had a camera and I was doing the classic, you know, basically flash photography. So I'm asking questions. And I'm like, you know, is anyone here? Click. Uh, What's your name? Click. How do you feel? Click. And I kept going. And I had all this noted. I got back to the station, uh, put it in Photoshop, changed the contrast uh, of the image. And this figure emerges from the how do you feel question. And it is the most ghoulish looking thing. Uh, Darren, you'd probably have to agree with me on this, that, you know, we're like, is it a ghoul? Is it a, a soldier? We call him Creek Boy, which, uh, makes it, makes him seem warm and fuzzy, but it was, it was a messed up picture. You call him Creep? Creek, uh, C-R-E-E-K. Okay. okay. Yeah, 14 Creek Mile Creek.
1: Creek. Yeah. Oh my God. Jeez. So you gotta send me this picture. I gotta see this thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Is it on Absolutely. your Instagram page? It's it's on uh, unexplainedcases.com, but I will send you what – we, what we posted there was actually the very original, the one that I slightly treated, and then the one that I enhanced and also made into a negative where at that point you see a face which actually looks like a skull. Oh, my it's, God. It's ridiculous. That's crazy. And could you feel like there
1: like a presence there with you while you were asking these questions?
3: You know, I, I, you know, I've also been asked, uh, like, have you ever been scared? You know, has anything ever uh, made you feel, you know, concerned or you didn't didn't need to be there? And i have like, I've never had that feeling. I mm-hmm. you know that if yeah, I know that if it came on me, then it would be like, okay, we seriously need to leave. But in that situation, it was like perfectly normal. I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere and it was dark, so I'm like a little like you know wondering if someone's going to walk up on you kind of thing. But it wasn't like. Oh, there's something, like in this case, hovering out over the creek, staring at me while I'm taking its picture, basically, kind of thing. Right. Right,
1: right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so that's what got you into the paranormal. That's what we discovered. Mm -hmm. Do you actually, do you have the scariest story that's ever happened to you, Darren?
2: Boy, you know, the one that was probably, I I was, you know, the one at the Myrtles, you know, definitely I, I thought was probably one of the most scariest just because of kind of being a non-believer until that point, like, okay, this stuff, this stuff is real. I was just trying to think when you guys were talking, if I've actually ever had one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm kind of scary. I know, uh, scared at Sloss Furnace, there was a, we were up on this catwalk. I remember the psychic was there and, uh, this is the only time this ever happened. I started to get sick because I always see these shows like, oh, I'm in pain or I'm sick. That is the only time I've ever gotten sick. I got really lightheaded. And it was like on this catwalk thing and I have the psychic lady with me. I go, man, I just don't feel very good. And she was talking about, you know, there was some kind of a presence there. And that's the only time that I've ever seen with my eye that I saw an orb, you know, we've taken pictures and we've seen orbs, but it was like this ball of light that just kind of floated, um, across, uh, kind of this area they were in and just kind of went into the wall and just kind of disappeared. So, I mean, the correlation of, okay, I don't feel good. I'm sick. You know, she feels there's a presence kind of scary, and then all of a sudden this, like, weird object shows up out of nowhere and just kind of drifts across and disappears. Only time in 20-whatever years we've been doing this, that's the only time that I've ever seen anything like that. I guess getting kind of sick and being up high, that was a little scary, just because you want to fall down or something like that. But as far as, like, being, like, terrified of anything, God, I've been to so many places that, you know, I I don't know. I just, I don't think, you know, I remember when in my 20s, I was a little bit more Oh, you know, now in my 40s, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a little bit seasoned and grayer now. So it's like, okay, bring it on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come at me, bro. Maybe yeah. Oh, I don't want to go in that room. I don't want to go there. And I was
3: like, okay.
1: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Rick, what about you? Do you have like a, a the scariest story that's ever happened to you?
3: You know, I, I I can't necessarily again say that there was just like a okay, we we got we got to run out of here, but I, I I will say that there was a, a book experience because it was hilarious. Uh and then the other one would be okay, this is a little crazy. So the hilarious part would be that we were in a, a mansion and uh uh Darren may is going to remember the Marhope in a uh, good old Meridian Mississippi. And um Uh, Photog and I were kind of investigating, and I think we had an EMF meter, and, like, you know, was just kind of doing some preliminary checks, and went into a closet, and the thing goes off, and it was, like, totally loud, unexpected, and both of us just bolted. And of course, you know, I still know Rob is his name. And so today we always talk about running like little schoolgirls basically because it was just like, you know, here's two grown men running, running out of this closet. And it was just like, what the heck are we doing? What is, it, what, is it, what is going on here? What's, what's this all about? I mean, it was just a, a meter going off too. Um, but the other side of it is Marahope was the wackiest place in the idea of nothing necessarily happened. While we were there, except for one thing, the bulk of it was when we weren't there and we left our cameras running, which is another part of uh, a kind of style that we like to try to do the, the passive investigation. You've got cameras, you set them up, there's nobody there and let's see if they, you know, get messed with or battery runs out or whatever. And there are doors slamming. There are bangs. There are knocks. And this was all in about 20 minutes. We just ran down the road to grab, like, some snacks and stuff like that and come back and review this stuff, and you've got all this going on. But then, as far as scary, and I was so glad that I was actually rolling on this, basically, because I had the camera on my shoulder at the time, and Darren and I are walking around, and there's something that's walking on the roof. And it is distinctively a, And you're like, okay, this is the roof of this, like, four-story mansion here, basically what's on the roof that's walking that heavy you know so I'm catching his reaction it was classic great TV and it was just like (laughs) he's like you know there's something on the roof and and I'm like yeah that's that's what I'm hearing there basically and then we're thinking well maybe it's Rob and like what the heck would Rob be doing on the roof basically it's not him And, and so we go out there and we're looking and it's like nobody can get up there so as far as like an adrenaline pumping moment that was clearly had to be a moment right there
1: Oh my god, that's creepy. I always thinking it was like, something on the roof. Like, <laughs> it's a Shatner moment. Yeah. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh god. <laughs> but, uh, so you guys are in two different cities though. How do you make this
3: work? Hey, well, so we've we've uh, tried this basically already. Where I've gone out to Phoenix and, and we've uh, shot several episodes, uh, and, and then uh, Darren has come out to Baltimore and, and we've shot several episodes, and then we actually have some plans to uh, meet in different cities, basically. And that's ultimately that's our challenge. Is like out of all of this, our goal is to be able to go. Certainly across the U.S., ideally across the world, but travel expenses is our biggest expense. And so being able to get supporters and be able to get an a, a expense budget for that, that's really kind of our b- biggest hurdle to find these awesome stories. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Because we were talking before, you guys are now starting to dive into the the whole, I guess, out of the paranormal and into... UFO territory as well, right? So do you guys want to just kind of speak a bit about that?
2: Yeah. I, well, you know, when we did the unexplained in in, uh, in Mississippi back in the day, we discovered, you know, we did some stories that uh, back in the 70s, it was really a hotbed of uh, UFO activity that, I mean, a lot of people in law enforcement um, saw, you know, strange lights in the sky. Some actually chased after these craft. I mean, respectable people. That, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're very believable in their stories that they told us. We also, uh, talked with Charles Hickson, who is probably one of the most, uh, famous, uh, alien abductees. Him and his, uh, buddy Calvin Parker were fishing on the Pascagoula River in like 73 or 74, something like that, when they claimed that they, um, were abducted, uh, into a, into a craft. Um, and obviously some experiments were, were done on them that, um, Charles, We reached out to him and we said, hey, would you like to tell your story? Because he had told it over the years, but we actually went to his house and just kind of sat down there with him for an hour or longer and just had him tell us this amazing story about what he experienced and the things, the health issues he was having. And he seemed incredibly uh, uh, believable. And so that was one component of the story that we did there in Mississippi um uh, and then, you know, fast forward twenty years, you know, I live in Phoenix now and I'm sure you're the Phoenix lights from you know twenty years ago um uh, mm-hmm. about this this incredible sighting that people all over the valley saw this like V shaped craft and started in Las Vegas and kind of cruised all the way across um Arizona until it left into uh uh Mexico. You know, I've seen all the videos and everything like that, but it was kind of cool this time around, was able to I worked with some of the folks from the MUFON chapter here. Uh, and g- they put me in touch with some of the people that actually saw it back then and just had them tell their stories because I'd seen it on TV and heard a lot of things, but to really talk one-on-one with these, um, witnesses about what they saw and what they heard. And I was very envious, uh, for yeah. sure. And, and once again, very credible people. I mean, wh- wh- I don't know why you would make something up. You know, people are all, I, you know, what I, who I meet and friends or colleagues are like, you know, somebody does that because they want attention. That's why. I, I don't think anybody, if you see a UFO, I bet the majority of people don't say anything. And really, the folks that do come forward, they're pretty brave because they're going to set themselves up for ridicule, that they're crazy, you know, they're kooks, they're crackpots. And these people I talked with, I mean, they're normal people. They have normal jobs. They're so like, look, I was out walking the dog, and all of a sudden I looked up, and I saw these this light formation, and this thing just kind of flying overhead. Or the other woman was outside with her son, like, in their their apartments, and they were just, like, playing around. And all of a sudden, they saw this thing come creeping over the mountains. So, but that that the Phoenix Light thing was pretty cool, and I I know that you know UFOs. That's another thing that Rick and I would like to, uh you know, uh, probably investigate uh, more of. There's so many famous sightings out there. Where to begin, right, Greg?
3: Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, that's that's where I don't think we've necessarily been able to even scratch the surface on those stories. I mean, hauntings, I guess, would be our our, our sweet spot, so to speak. But you know, that's why it's called unexplained cases. Is that we're trying to touch on. Anything that is forgotten history, it's unknown, it's unsolved cases. I'm actually working on a few of those here in Baltimore right now, uh, gathering some uh, particular stories. Which, you know, again, that's the thing is like with all of this, even with those, you have to have a family who wants to. If it's a cold case, they they want they have to be able to come forward. They got to relive these emotions. They gotta want to get this on camera. Uh, and it doesn't matter what the story is. Not everybody wants to do that, which is why I also tell people, and we've done this before with even some cover-up stories that we've done, is we will hide your face. We will change your voice. You know, we will do all that to protect your identity if it can help get the story out. But a lot of people are concerned about, you know, the ridicule, the judgment that they'll face and just being able to share hey, this was something that happened to me, and and it was real, and I I don't doubt that it was real, but, you know, I don't even believe it, so why would I expect someone else to believe it?
1: Right. Yeah, well, you know what? I I feel like now with Instagram and, and like, Snapchat and Facebook and all these different uh, social media platforms, I think it's going to start to change just because people are on those Platform so much, and they're so used to just talking openly now to to thousands, sometimes millions of people, depending on your follower count, right? Hundreds, mm-hmm. thousands. Um, so maybe that'll start to change and and open up those possibilities for for you guys, because I know that you being a journalist, Darren and and Rick, you as well, but your bullshit radar has got to be pretty good by now right you guys are pretty seasoned in this and you can kind of pick up on when someone's kind of telling the truth or when they're lying and yeah like I I feel like you guys are the right guys for the job you know what I mean
2: yeah I mean I I think that uh yeah you're right my bullshit meter yeah my stick is pretty high uh you know because a lot of times you know I would go out sometimes with some groups or something like that And not to say they're all like that, but sometimes I I thought they were trying to believe more than was really there. They're like, did you hear that? And I'm like, God, I'm sorry. I I didn't, I didn't hear that. Did you see that shadow figure? And I'm sitting, I I go, I just didn't, I didn't see it. I want to believe what you're saying, but I need to have, I need to have that proof. For sure. Claim that you're telling me. So yeah, definitely. And then as a journalist, I think, yeah, everything's, you know, you're always, uh, you're trained to report and inform. But also to doubt also, you know, you gotta you got to get some cold hard facts. And so we're, we're trying to do that along with storytelling is what we're trying to do with unexplained cases for sure.
1: Yeah, and I, I love that because you were talking about how you got into it with, with uh, Sasquatch and, and Bigfoot and things like that. So maybe that's another area that you guys are probably going to be exploring in the future, right?
2: Oh, hell yeah. I've already talked to, uh, well, that or here in Arizona because up in, you know, we have the uh, mountains uh, in Flagstaff uh, just up the road here a couple of hours, and I've been trying to network with some Bigfoot groups here to try to go out there. But, like, uh, yeah, back in the Pacific Northwest, the Olympic uh, with, uh, mountains out there, also the Cascades. If you watch, mm-hmm. like, Finding Bigfoot, I think it was what it was, and some of those other yep. shows. A lot of times it was Oregon and Washington State where they would film a lot of those shows. I've always wanted to go, you know, out into the, into the forest. Although if you get out there, uh, you never know what you're going to see. You know, I mean, it'd be great to see Bigfoot. I'm a little bit more concerned about a mountain lion or a bear, which there's nothing paranormal about that whatsoever, but, uh, it'd be awesome yeah. to see Bigfoot. That, I think that, that would be a cool story that, yeah, Rick and I would like to do that one day.
3: But you're not going to get me uh, wearing a Bigfoot costume. I know we've talked about this, Darren, and you keep trying to make me do that. But I'm sorry. I do draw the line at that, okay? it's It scratches. I get chafed out of it, okay?
1: Yeah. (laughs) We can always see your watch, too. Come on, Rick. Exactly. (laughs) But uh, do you guys have any UFO stories yourselves?
2: Man, that's what I was trying to think. I mean, I don't know. Well, I do have one, and you know, and I don't know if it was a military or it was uh, a UFO, but I used to live in Roswell, New Mexico. Ironically enough, I was there, made anger for CBS. I was there for the 50th anniversary of the crash or incident, whatever you want to call it, but you know, Roswell's really out in the middle of nowhere. And so if you want to go to an airport or find a city, you'd have to drive like three hours. So El Paso was one of the places we'd always drive to, uh, to take a flight to go wherever we wanted to go to see family. And one night we were driving back, my wife and I, and we were coming through Alamogordo, which is where Holloman Air Force Base is, where they have a lot of the stealths there. Um, we were driving, I mean, it's out in the middle of the desert. There's nobody else out there on, on the highway at that time. And I remember seeing these two kind of lights, that were, and we didn't, I'm like, okay, they planes? Are they the stealths? But it was weird because, okay, they were kind of in formation, and then they kind of got on top of each other. It was just kind of a weird random thing, and then just kind of flew off. So I was like, was that some kind of a military drill thing that they were doing? Because it was weird. My wife and I still talked about it to this day. Like, do you remember that weird UFO thingy? Now, was it from the Air Force Base right there? I don't know. But, I mean, you're out in the middle of the desert of New Mexico. Okay, right there. Strange lights. You know what I mean? And you're two hours from Roswell. So that would, that would be my only experience that I, I know that my wife had some in California. She saw something. And so, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff out there and it's just about timing. And if you're in the right place, you know, at the right time, um, mm-hmm. but that's about it for me.
1: Yeah. Cause, uh, let me tell you this. I haven't really told many people this story. Just I guess it is because I didn't, I, I don't know. I just, it was just a very weird kind of. Sh- thing that just happened i was at this is years ago i was in college and so i went to school for firefighting and we were um all outside uh, loading up the truck and so we were laying down all the hose we were laying it all down on top of the on top of the truck and once we had finished it we were done our our job for the night and we all of us were all the guys and, and a few girls were just like laying down on top of the bed of the of the truck, right? And we're looking up at the sky and in Toronto, it's, it's a big city and there's usually, you can't really see the stars at night or anything like that. There's lots of lights and, and other things obstructing it. Right. But as we were looking up, every one of us were like, what's that up in the sky? And it was a triangle shape kind of object in the sky. And it moved so fast. It was almost like it disappeared and then reappeared in another spot. And it did this three times and then was gone. And we were all like, whoa, there it is again. There it is again. And like, this is like a group. This is a classroom of students, right? On top of the truck looking up at the sky and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then it was gone. We're like, did we just see that? Like I, like I saw it. We're like, I, like everyone's like, yeah, I saw it, but then we never talked about it again. Hmm. Like it never got brought back up ever again. Right. And I don't know why. I don't know why no one ever, like, wanted to talk about it more, but it was, like, it happened. We were all looking up. Guys are smoking cigarettes, like, laying on top of the truck, being like, whoa, that was so cool. And we were like, okay, see you later. We all got in our cars, drove away. Class the next week or, or the next, whenever it was, and we are like, no one ever talked about it again. Isn't
2: that oh, weird? That is crazy. Sort of <laughs> like it's like an interdimensional thing or something as it was, Kind of coming in and out of wherever wherever it was going, Damn, yes. that, that's a hell of a story. That's Damn, a story
1: I don't know like it's it's something i like I don't really tell a lot of people just because i I don't know it, it it felt so weird looking up at the sky and seeing this but year like this has may have been two or three years ago in Toronto, there was like documentation of people out on their balconies videotaping this, and it it looked very similar to what I saw mm-hmm. and it it was um Oh, maybe I'll try and find it and post it on my Instagram. But, uh, yeah, it was really freaky to, to re-see something similar. It wasn't the same, but it was, it was very similar looking. And a bunch of people all saw it. There was a bunch of phone videos of people capturing it from their balconies and their condos or apartment buildings. But yeah, it was, it was just a weird,
3: weird thing. And I think that that's what what you're experiencing is what so m- happens and it's just a, a default human nature in a way, especially if it's a group setting too, is like you have this shared experience and you're kind of like, okay, everybody saw the same thing. Now, granted, they may have perceived things slightly different than you, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a collective experience. Folks don't talk about it. It's just not mentioned again. And mm-hmm. it's like of, of anybody who could talk about it, Sure, that group should do it, and yet they don't. <clears throat> it takes maybe seeing that footage or or what, that post or whatever to jog the memory, because it's almost like it's suppressed. It's like, eh, maybe that really didn't happen, or maybe it was you know something what it else. Is.
1: This is what I think it is. It was that it was so surreal, mm-hmm. I couldn't even believe that I was seeing it. So I wanted to forget it. It's like, mm-hmm. or my mind is like, that's not that's not real. Mm-hmm. Flick the switch, let's yeah. not you know, think about it. But it is actually when I saw those videos of other people posting it, I was like, that's something similar to what I remember seeing. And so mm-hmm. it kind of like, yeah, it clicked in my mind and yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of getting like a, a bit worked up over it right now. It's kind of weird talking about it. So
3: yeah. Sure. Well, well, hey, see, this has been cathartic then a little bit there. So that's, this is what's cool basically. Yeah. Therapeutic.
1: Here that's we
2: it. go. There you
3: go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it was a very, very interesting uh, experience to have. But
2: uh, Yeah, real quick, I was going to say, you mentioned it, you know, with phone cameras and everything. Can you imagine back in 97 if they had phone cameras for the Phoenix Lights? Oh that my god, insane because you're talking about like 20,000 people saw it. There'd be yeah. so much evidence out there that, you know, you'd be like, well, wait a second. Because, you know, the government's like, no, they're dropping flares. You know what I mean? Flares nice. do not go hundreds of miles. They fall and they burn out. And so... Yeah, that's that whole military conspiracy, and, you know, Rick, Rick and I have done some pretty interesting stories, and we think our phones were tapped at uh, times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We, we thought that our phones were tapped, and then some other investigative things we did about the military that yeah, I, th- I think people d- dug around on us. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I don't know about now, but yeah, back then that was a little freaky. We pushed, we punched some buttons on certain people. That's for sure.
3: Hey, um, well, you know, when you have uh, folks at the Pentagon getting a little ticked off at you, actually, you know, you you kind of know that you actually punched some right buttons. So you know,
1: hey. I was going to say you're doing good work. If that's the case, <laughs> I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're on the right track. Well, guys. Uh, I just want to personally thank both of you for being on board the ghost train today. Uh, if, you, if you guys have
3: anything up and coming that you guys want to talk about? oh Well, yeah, I've, I've, I'll mention one, and I think you could uh, mention an obvious one that's coming up. I mean, right now, a lot of things are in uh, post-production. Uh, I'm editing everything together. So we have uh, some pretty uh, exciting episodes that are going to involve the um, USS Torsk which is a submarine that's in uh, uh, Baltimore Harbor, as well as the USS Constellation. So we'll get a little nautical uh, and some pretty interesting experiences on uh, two totally different eras and totally different kinds of uh, ships. Uh, and then, um, you know, Darren had some uh, pretty interesting encounters at, at another uh, Arizona town. Yeah,
2: my, my daughters, uh, they've kind of taken after their father. They're ghost hunters too now, uh, the, my twin daughters. We went down to Tombstone, which I'm sure you've heard of, you know, uh, the gunfight at the OK Corral and, yeah. you know, did, did the typical, we did some investigations in some of the places there. But yeah, one of the places was the old morgue and that one was just nuts because my daughter had quite an experience there to where whatever the entity was, was literally taking her over. I mean, like, basically grabbing her, which I've never seen anything like that. So as a father, I was a little concerned about that. Um, but yeah, it was, that was just one of the experiences we had in Tombstone. And so that's a story that I got to put together Then I was out in Wilson, Kansas, where we had some pretty cool stuff happen. And then Rick and I are going to be off to uh, Alton, Illinois here pretty soon to go to the McPike Mansion. And uh, I can't remember the other locations very haunted there. So yeah, unexplained cases continues. Uh, you know, got this damn job thing because I gotta make money. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in a, a day place. job, win the lottery. Um, I would just do ghost stuff all the time, but yeah, just that damn money gets in the way.
1: I know, I know. Yeah, well, it's a work in progress right now, and I think you and your daughters actually would probably be a a very entertaining show. So maybe uh pursue that a little bit too. You know.
2: Yeah, that, well, yeah, the, the ghost twins. I think that's what uh, Rick and I are calling them. So Awesome. They, they, they get into it. They, they love it. So it's, it's kind of cool to do it with your kids.
1: Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, yeah, like you said, pretty uh, scary stuff having to see your daughter go through something like that, right?
2: Yeah. It's. I mean, you know, you watch it on TV and they're like, oh, really? Is that happening? And then when you're like really thrown into it, it's like, because I'm, filming in it at the same time. I'm like, are you okay? You know what I mean? And she she was like sick and you could tell that she was not so much upset, but it's like whatever this thing was, was like grabbing her, which was crazy. And, uh, yeah. So, so you're like videotaping it and I'm thinking, should I be shooting this? Should I be talking to her? You know, great dad. I'm like, I got the camera and I'm (laughs) consoling it at the same time. Yeah, are you getting an EVP e- e- P while you're being attacked by the ghost? Uh, um, so, yeah, no, she, they're both sensitive, which is kind of interesting because, uh, we met a, a psychic that knew nothing about him and, and this woman said like, hey, you guys have like the gift or whatever. And like, Gracie, my one da- daughter, she's like, yeah, you know, but, but the woman's like, no, 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 it's not necessarily you it's her, so it's my other daughter, Caroline, and she's like, yeah, I, I always have, but I just have not liked to say it, because my wife's kind of got the same thing, and so, you know, here I am, the stupid guy, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a great experience, uh, you know, Rick and I did a bunch of stuff with them up in Wickenburg, Arizona, and that was very cool, so I would love to take them out on the road more, you know, if we ever head back out to the East Coast or something like that, I mean, there's so many cool places to investigate. I'd love to go up to Canada. I'm sure there's a lot of cool places up there, especially up in BC. We talk about mm-hmm. Sasquatch up in that area. Oh, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's you know, my, our dream is to do this professionally, you know, for, for a living. You know, hopefully we've had some awesome people that have helped, you know, sponsor us and, and donations and everything like that, that hopefully one day, you know, we'll be able to make this our full-time gig. I still love telling stories, you know, that's, that's the thing. And I can, you know, shoot them and, you know, just let other people tell the story at the same time that, um, you know, it's not work. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's enjoyable to be out there and meet people and, you know, I get scared every once in a while, which makes it, you know, makes it pretty cool.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, guys, well, Unexplained Cases, the YouTube channel. Guys, go check that show out. It's awesome stuff. You guys are doing great work within this uh, paranormal community and I guess cryptic and uh, UFO community as well, right? So I thank you guys both for being on board the ghost train, Darren and Rick. You guys were awesome, great stories, and uh, I'll be talking to you both soon. I'll be on your podcast actually coming up very soon, so stay tuned for that. Right? Looking forward to it.
0: I had a blast chatting with Darren and Rick of Unexplained Cases. Subscribe to them on YouTube, Unexplained Cases, and stay up to date with everything that they do on their Instagram account, at Unexplained Cases. If you have a scary story you want to share with all the passengers of the ghost train, contact me today on any of my social media platforms and we'll get you on board the GT Podcast. Until the next train gets in the station, good luck sleeping tight.